Hello, Real Talk listeners. Welcome back. Welcome back. We are in our second episode of this series of HR Best Practices. I'm here with Michelle Elder, my business partner and my partner in crime here to talk through our HR best practices. And Michelle, we are talking about an article today out of the Harvard Business Review on how to refuel when you're feeling emotionally drained by Monique Valcour. So kind of let's talk through a little bit about emotionally being like being emotionally drained. Like, I feel like that happens and so many reasons, right? Right now we're currently going through a pandemic and I totally get it. You know, it's, it's, totally easy to feel burnout. But even when you're not in a pandemic, there are times where you are burnt out by, you know, overwork, uh, lack of sleep, things going on in your your personal life. And it leads to so many different things. You know, I'm really excited about this topic in general. You know, one of the things that we've tried to do recently is shift our focus so that we can give people what they need now. And um, this month we're focusing on, for businesses, how to focus on their talent acquisition strategy and for individuals, how to get a job in such a bad environment. I was distracted for a minute because I was looking for a photograph that I downloaded almost four months ago during the pandemic. It was from someone I follow on LinkedIn and it talked about how This is, I'm going to come up with a new word other than unprecedented, but for now, that's what I'm going to have to go with. We're really in a place that most of us, well, not most of us, we have never experienced. I mean, we experienced a surge starting in March, but right, like it never really truly stopped. It's been an ongoing thing. And for a lot of people, what that means is that we're in a stage where we just, don't understand what the future looks like, right? So, you know, in the beginning of a crisis situation, there's always apprehension, but there's always belief or hope that things will get better. And now we're kind of in this stalemate place where we're not even sure anymore. Like we thought it was going to be a couple months. We thought we were going to sit at home for two weeks. It was going to be all fabulous and we were going to move on. Um, But now we're in this scary place, right? And so when you layer on top of that scariness, the fact that parents who didn't want to be homeschooling parents are now homeschooling parents. And it's not that they don't love their children. It's even from my perspective, I wouldn't be a homeschooling parent because I'm not cut out for it. It's not what I'm designed to do. Uh, Send them to school and let them learn from really smart teachers. That I'm designed to do. And now you layer on top of that that you're unemployed and you're starting to ask yourself where and how you're going to pay your bills and how you're going to rebuild from this. People are just mentally exhausted. Yeah, I think people are super exhausted just in general, um, you know, just kind of being at home, being with their kids. Like you said, there, there's so many pieces in this article which are interesting. You know, the first part 
talks about emotional exhaustion lies at the heart of burnout. As your emotional resources are used up and trying to cope with challenging situations, such as overwhelming demands, conflicts, lack of support at work or at home, your sense of well-being and capacity to care for yourself and others is diminished, which is a little bit interesting, right? That whole first paragraph of this article is interesting because we have so many different challenges that we face and everybody's facing the challenges differently. You know, you see the memes right now. Don't check on your introverted friends because they are loving it during the pandemic. This is not where they need their energy. Check on your extrovert friends. (laughs) That person you saw at the water cooler at the office, that person needs you to check in on them because this probably emotionally, this is worse for them. As an introvert, we still need to be checked in on, right? Burnout can affect anybody yep. introvert or extrovert. But, you know, it's interesting, you know, for me, it's like the first couple of weeks of the pandemic, you know, there's so many people getting laid off or hours reduced and they, they were drinking at like two o'clock in the afternoon on a Monday. And I was literally sitting there working 18 to 20 hour shifts for like weeks straight because I was down to people. I was literally like doing COVID procedures, being an infectious disease doctor for a couple of weeks. Like, you know, HR literally had to put on a million hats during that time. It would be super nice to have a drink at two o'clock on a Monday. And I miss that wagon. And best believe when everyone comes back, I'm going to be drinking at two o'clock in the afternoon. (laughs) And they're going to be like, what's going on? And be like, my pandemic just started. (laughs) Right. And I think that's that's a good call out. You know, Uh, I read something on some social media platform yesterday, and it was based on the concept someone had callously said, we all get 24 hours in a day, or we all have the same 24 hours in a day. And the person replied and said, no, 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 no. We all might get 24 hours, but none of us have this same 24 hours, right? And the, the examples they used were like a single parent, compared to someone who works a high profile job, someone who has uh, no kids, but maybe married versus someone married with four kids. Everybody's day looks a little bit different, right? And so whether you're the person that was day drinking or like me and you, or at least me until recently, but the two of us, this pandemic really did put HR on, like HR is normally on call all the time. When you work for an organization, if there's a if there's a crisis that people don't know how to handle, guess what? HR is who they call. But this, by nature, the entire thing was a crisis. And it was a crisis that required policies and procedures to be written, that required not only day-to-day follow-up, but follow-up with people who might be sick or um, how they're doing in the process. So we, we didn't get that chance to day drink. So my favorite favorite concept in the world is that <laughs> we are raising a generation of kids who are homeschooled by day drinkers, mm-hmm. but we still get that exhaustion because of what we did. You know, there's very few people that I've told this to, but I remember when I had to tell the first group of people when we were doing tra- uh, contact tracing for someone that was positive at, at our work. And I remember having to have the conversation with their close contacts that they had been in contact. And it was, it was March-ish, like the end of March. And so really at that point, we knew even less about COVID-19 than we do today. 
And I remember telling them, and then I remember the look on everyone's face as they looked at me. And one lady broke down in tears. And so, you know, a lot of you were in a very similar situation because of what you have had to do. But what I remember is every time I came up with a policy or every time I had to write a procedure, it was constantly in the back of my mind, am I going to be the reason someone dies from COVID-19 because I write a less than ideal policy for a business? That stress alone should have driven me to day drink, but I kept it at night. (laughs) We need to give ourselves some grace as humans. We need to be able to pause and say that it's okay that we're emotionally drained and that we do have to, like you said, it says that we tend to not take care of others or ourselves when we're emotionally drained. And we've got to put that as the priority. And I remember my business coach telling me throughout this process, she would ask me, she's one of the other people that I told her how stressed out I was. And she would tell me over and over again, what did you do for yourself? And my answer would always be, I slept really late on Saturday. And she's like, that's not what I'm talking about. So it was literally working to a point where I was exhausted and then I would crash and sleep for 12 hours and then get up and do it again. Yeah, same. I mean, so I am thankful because I saw a therapist through the pandemic as well, because I was dealing with other things from, you know, my car accident. So literally my therapist would be like, what are you doing for yourself? And I'm like, I'm sleeping. Right. (laughs) When you work 20 hours a day, five days a week for weeks on end, the last thing you want to do is like literally get up and go work out on a Saturday. I want to sleep for 48 hours straight. And you know what? I couldn't even do that because I was working on the weekends because COVID cases would come up. So, (laughs) yes. I'm, and I know I'm laughing. This is not a funny subject. You guys, if you haven't figured this out about me, When um, things are uncomfortable or I don't know how to handle them, humor is what I do. It's what I do in order to get through it. But that is definitely a reality. So I would say first, you guys start by giving yourself grace. But in this article from Monique, she actually mentions three tips that she has recommended to others in order to help. And the first tip, she calls it reducing the drain. The first step in reducing emotional Emotional resource consumption is by recognizing the circumstances that are depleting you and then trying to limit your exposure. I want us to talk about that one a minute, particularly because of the situation we described and the situation a lot of essential employees are in. We can't not answer the phone. Like if someone calls and says, and like you on a Saturday, on a Sunday at 12 o'clock and I've been on calls at three o'clock in the morning. I've been woken up at four o'clock in the morning in my car to go to a site in order to talk to people who I knew were going to be super mad at me. So you can't always reduce everything. So what can people do to eliminate some of the drain or the stuff that's pulling at your emotions? Nothing. They can't do anything. I think that whole first phrase, right? 
recognize and reduce this, uh, you know, what's depleting you and limit your exposures to them. I can't limit my exposure to work and people calling me. I can't limit uh, my children in the background screaming, not that I have any, but people who are listening to this are like, really, really, you want me to reduce the drain? Like how I literally still have to get up and cook every day and multitask and get my kids Zoom so they can do school and they're three and, you know, whatever. They're they're not sitting down in their chair like they're supposed to and whatever. And I have to try to be teacher and mom at the same time. Right. So, you know, I don't think there's a way to reduce the drain. <laughs> I, I think it, you know what, I really feel like in the cases we're describing, you're right, that there really isn't. And so what I would suggest is, I'm going to go back to that give yourself grace thing. Someone told me that, again, a coach, to give myself grace. And we do too. The reality is, I'm pretty confident that for probably more weeks than there should have been, a glass of wine or two glasses of wine or three glasses of wine was my coping mechanism. That, and like you said, sleeping half the day on Saturday. So I think when you're not able to step away from it, you've got to figure out what you can do in the times that you have in order to protect yourself. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's it, right? It's like you, you can't necessarily change, but you can change on how you react to the situation, I guess, and do what you can with the minimal time that you do have. So the other thing that I did do that helped reduce the drain So because of the positions that you and I had going into COVID-19, we literally became as informed about this virus as we could. I was about to use the word experts, and we probably did feel like experts compared to our our employees, but we weren't. What we did want to do was make sure we were equipped with factual information from experts, And so one of the things that I recognized was I couldn't step out of the situation. I couldn't not answer questions when employees came to me. What I could do, though, is move the, um, I'm going to call it catastrophic conversation to a more constructive conversation. Even within my HR team, I remember telling them specifically, and then I did this with the senior leaders in our company as well. I said, if you're not getting your information from a reputable healthcare professional, like someone the entire world recognizes, whether it's World Health Organization, CDC, I got a lot of great stuff from Johns Hopkins through this entire process. And so what I told them was, don't come to me with something you read on Facebook unless you are fact-checking it with someone who actually studies disease for a living, right? And so I was, while I wasn't able to end those conversations, I was able to positively redirect them to a place where I'm going to say their panic and frustration didn't add to my already emotional state. Yeah, it's it can be stressful and the way you react to it can be very helpful. The other thing that I found super helpful, again, I couldn't stop any of this, but there were things that I tried to do to reduce the stress. Like, for example, we would get just the most ridiculous rumors, like 
somebody was on vacation for their honeymoon. Everybody in the department knew they were getting married, but because, and they decided to still take their, they didn't go out of town, but they decided to still take their time off after their wedding. And everybody's like, oh my God, they've got COVID, they're at home. So literally people would exaggerate and make up stories. So the other thing that I think helped a lot was empowering the people around me with the information that I had, whether it was a contractor that you know, was only with us for a couple of months, a full-time employee, an executive, someone on the line, it didn't matter. I wanted them to be equipped with as much information as possible so that when they did come to me with those questions, the questions were based less in a place of fear. And fear, what I found is fear heightens your emotional intensity. And when that happens, it drains you even more. So if I could give them enough knowledge that they weren't coming to me from a place of only fear, it made it easier for me to have that conversation. Yeah, I think, yeah, there's a lot going on. It can create so much burnout for people and stress people out. And it's really, it's like, take a deep breath. Right. (laughs) Take a deep breath. And if you need to sleep late when you can, you know what, it's also, you and I talked about this in one of our first podcasts when we talked about working from home because you and I have both done that successfully for years. Working from home does not necessarily mean that you have to have a standard schedule. Working from home might mean you're with your kids on a Zoom class at 11 in the morning and maybe you're finishing up your projects later in the day. So whatever whatever you do have, work within that time frame in order to, to make it as successful as possible. Yeah. Now, one of my favorite things that she talked about, and I'm going to toss this one over to you because I'm not really good at this. I never have been even before a global pandemic, but it's replenishing your fuel. So kind of how do you give back to yourself and to your body and to your emotions and refuel yourself, if you will? Um, So Maria, what are some of the things that you've done to refuel yourself when you feel burnt out other than sleeping all day? I try to do a number of things, you know, um, yesterday, for example, I worked from 5am till 10pm at night, and then I had to be back up at 5am for another phone call. And so one of the things I try to do is I create a gap in my schedule so that I can go to the gym. And even on Saturdays, every Saturday, I do a 7am workout it's my way of giving back to myself and back to my body and being healthy. So I make sure at least two to three times a week that I work out and that I at least find on the weekends opportunities to laugh. And that's how I refuel is, um, you know, getting some energy and laughing. So I will purposely watch comedy movies um, or something to make me feel good. And I know that refueling for me doesn't mean being on 12 hours of Zoom calls a day. That is actually just as exhausting as being in person and socializing with people. So, you know, my refuel is just being by myself, learning, reading. My top five strengths are achiever and learner. So yes, while I'm achieving at work 
and doing the marathon, I also need to refuel with learning and feeding myself knowledge that I'm interested in that's sometimes work-related and sometimes not. But I have to at least work out and get my body moving. Rachel Hollis says 30 minutes a day, make sure you keep it moving. And um, there's a bunch of info and studies that show that that'll help refuel you, re-energize you, give you the endorphins you need and things like that. So I find ways to, to focus on me, even if I am not like literally, I went to the gym yesterday and I was exhausted in between and knew I had calls afterwards. And I was like, you know what? I'm exhausted. I went to the parking lot and I was like this close to like canceling and just being like, no, but I went in anyways. And I was actually glad I did it. So there's a lot of those moments where I'm just like, you know what? I don't want to, but I know I have to, because it's good for me in the long term. Yeah, that's a good one. I like you. I'm also a learner. I like, I like to get as much knowledge as I can. I think that's why initially the idea of putting together the policies and procedures around this was exciting because I wanted to be informed. But one of the things that I did, uh, you and I have talked about this one recently, is I completely changed my social media feeds. You know, between the election, the pandemic, people being out of work, there is nothing but bad stuff everywhere. And so now when I need to see those things, when I need to learn what's happening in politics, I seek it. I don't have it pushed to me. What I do have pushed to me are positive things. It's the groups that I'm a part of, watching their successes, hearing their wins, and really celebrating that. And I'm finding that that is energizing me a lot more as well. I'm going to agree to disagree with you, Michelle, because you know how I like to argue and banter, but... There is some good news out there. And one thing that I did that I actually learned from, again, my therapist who gave me some feedback during this whole pandemic, there's an app called the Good News Network. And literally, it just gives you all the good news in the world. And so I literally filled my learning uh, mode and my and my knowledge with good news that was happening around the world. So I encourage any of our listeners that are feeling down or hate watching the news because there's always like somebody shooting somebody or something negative on there, watch the, uh, download the Good News Network. First of all, that's an amazing tip. I agree with you completely. That's pretty cool. Nothing but good news coming to your, that's pretty cool. Nothing but good news coming to your phone all day about the best and brightest stories of the world. You've also heard, as we've gone through this, you've heard Marie and I both talk about either coaches or therapists throughout the process. And I think that's that's also one of those places where some people in this world need to shift their mindset. You go out and get yourself a coach or a therapist, someone to talk to, and it's not someone to vent with. And I think that's what makes having that relationship so valuable. They do listen to you, but they also provide you guidance and direction. Like, how do you shift this? And when they're really, really good, they help you figure that out on your own so that you figure out the thing that is best for you. Yeah. It's interesting that, you know, replenish is kind of on here, right? Because I think it's just that. And I think the second one is learning to conserve, which um, those are the three tips, obviously, out of this, out of this business review. And it's, you know, recognizing that you're going through stuff. It's great to acknowledge that you're going through stuff. But at the end of the day, it's like, 
I need more than a staycation. I need to get off these, you know, Zoom meetings and whatever. I just, I need to go somewhere. I can't wait till I can go to Bali or Barbados or somewhere with some tiki huts and a Mai Tai. Michelle, I don't think people are burnt out just during COVID times. You know, there's times where I've literally worked. I had moved to Texas for a year and I didn't have any friends and I was kind of in the same place, right? It's like just working home, working home. There are times you do get burnt out outside of, you know, times of a pandemic or whatnot. And so it's super easy for that to happen. And I, I think you need to live in the moment. You need to figure out what's going on and leverage resources and have conversations about it. But there are times you just get to a point of burnout in your career. And that's when you start looking for other jobs, right? I'm burnt out. I've literally gone to my boss and asked for help and resources. I'm doing 10 people's jobs. I can't do this anymore. And they're like, oh, too bad. So sad. And that's pretty much saying um, I can find another person to do your job. And I'm just like, all right, go for it. And then that that's my interpretation of it. And then I start looking for another job. So, I mean, burnout happens all too often all too often. It does. You and I were talking about this the other day. It's a Warren Buffett quote. And it's something that I post a lot on my social media quotes around this. But Warren Buffett said something to the effect of busy is the new stupid. And often, for those of you that follow my personal account on social media, you'll see me post things like, it's time to reset the idea that exhaustion is a good thing. There is a cultural thing around corporate Entities typically where the harder you work, the longer you're in the office. And you, it's funny, it's not always the quality of work you produce or the quantity of work you produce. It's the number of hours you put in that are praised. Like they're always answering email 24 hours a day, seven days a week. They're always in the office. They're the first to get there and the last to go home. We sort of glorified this concept of work to a point that you're right, even without a global crisis, we're exhausted. Yeah, that's uh, US, North America. I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's a, I really do think it's a big corporate thing. Um, <laughs> I, I even remember at a, at a job that I had prior to this business, someone said, it's six o'clock and nobody's in the office. And I'm like, half of us come in at six o'clock in the morning. I would hope we're not in the office anymore. Right. So there is a place, I think, where if you are a leader with influence, you've got to start changing that culture and you've got to start celebrating quality of work versus amount of time working. And you've got to, you've got to demand that that culture shift because until we start saying it, nothing's going to change. And the truth is, it still might not change. There's absolutely been situations, like you said, where you have to walk away. You have to decide that the quality of your life as a whole, work and personal, is more important than the amount of time and the drain on your job. And that it has to be a, a personal choice that you make. By the way, maybe not December of 2020, maybe right now might not be the time to make that choice unless you're completely burnt out. But at some point you have to decide. 
Yeah, so it's a good article. You know, I think these are best practices from Harvard Harvard Business Review. It's things for us to think about and reflect on from an from a business perspective or from a candidate perspective. Either way, you know, if you're observing someone that is burnt out, reach out, connect, don't zoom them to death. But if you are a candidate and you are burnt out, stop, reflect, take a moment. We all realize and acknowledge that people go through burnout and it's okay. Maybe it's not okay. Some people will argue with me on this podcast listening, but it is okay to be burnt out and acknowledged, acknowledge and reflect on that. But it is um, something that you should stop, think about and reassess and see, is it worth continuing to drain all of your energy into things? Yeah. And I think it becomes that I'm not going to disagree with you. Sometimes you got to be okay with the fact that it's happening. And sometimes you have to, you have to keep doing it because the plan can't play out as quickly as you want it to. Maybe you do have a plan to stop it, but you need to follow the plan in order to live your best life later. Right. But I do think that you've got to pause and you've got to ask yourself questions. You a great question to ask yourself is, is this stress taking you away from the things that you usually love? Is it pulling you away from your family? Is it causing your temper to be shorter? All of us have, I call it from a personality perspective, I usually call it your dark side. Like we all have our strengths and the things that are our go-tos, but we can play those to a point that it sort of shows up as a dark side, I've talked about my dark, one of my dark sides, which is in a point of crisis, I get very controlling so that I can make sure things don't fall apart. Some people in crisis get very snappy, get very short, um, tempered. If you find yourself doing those things, that's really time, like you said, Maria, to stop and reflect. Yeah, I agree. So, you know, I hope that uh, you as listeners are understanding, feeling the burn. I know you're feeling the burn. You feel the burn. And so I hope you listeners are understanding that it is a great opportunity for us to uh, work together when we're all feeling the burn together, the burnout and we can, um, we're here to talk through um, anything and support from a colleague perspective. So, also, you know, guys, if you don't know where to start to reach out to someone, uh, Real Talent, we offer business and life coaching. You know, we can help you with the entire you. We always like to talk about how a business problem always has a person behind it. Not that a person is responsible, but a lot of times you have to dig into the thing behind the business problem and not just the problem. We're available. Reach out to us at any time. Um, We'll have a, a consultation with you and see if coaching is a right fit for you. Yep. Until next time, listeners, take care. Bye.